because of my background and my history that I had mentioned already, I had been in therapy for 20 years at that time, like literally two decades I had been in therapy. And I don't ever want to discount therapy because it is so, I'm still in therapy. I don't know that I will ever not be in therapy. I'm just such a huge proponent of it. I think it is amazing. It's phenomenal. But for me, the biggest shift in my life started when I got coaching in addition to therapy instead of just therapy. The main reason being, instead of just talking about and sort of understanding where these issues came from, it gave me real tools to create the life that I wanted and helped me to understand how to actually change directions and gave me the support and the understanding of how to do that. Kim Kimball is a life coach and a mentor, offering a holistic coaching practice that goes deeper than the pragmatic fix to addressing the root of what's keeping you stuck. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. Through her own personal deep dives into her own patterns in relationships, familial, platonic, and romantic, Kim has been actively addressing codependency in herself and helping other women do the same. In the conversation today, We discuss how and why Kim was single until she was 35, as well as her journey and lessons, and what codependency is and can look like in our lives. We start our conversation today after I've asked Kim what one of her most altering life pivots has been so far. I have a couple that come to mind, but the one that feels most pressing right now to share is my life pivot into marriage. Mm. So... I was single for a very long time. I was single until I was 35. And this doesn't obviously is not the case for everybody, but one of my hugest life goals and biggest desires was to get married. And it just wasn't happening for me. And it wasn't happening for me. And it wasn't happening for me. Mm -hmm. And it was endlessly frustrating. And I had just a lot of difficulty in relationships in general, um, not just in romantic relationships, as I'm obviously discussing right now. But in platonic relationships and friendships and my family, especially relationships were just an area of struggle. It was an area um, where I felt like I wasn't getting the connection and the belonging and the desires of my heart fulfilled in the way that I would want. And so one of the biggest shifts and pivots in my life was meeting my now husband and, you know, (laughs) I feel like what I'm describing sounds like some magical, like, oh, and all my dreams came true. (laughs) But really what I'm trying to describe is all the shit hit the fan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, That's what I'm trying to describe here is that it caused so much relational growth for me and really forced me to learn how to operate in relationship. Like I said, in romantic relationship, but also in platonic friendships and in my family because there was so much struggle around it, I really, it was one of those things that I had to hunker down and sink my teeth in and really look into like, why, why is this a struggle? Why does this not feel how I want it to feel? How can this be better? What's my part type of a thing? Mm -hmm. I could ask you so many questions because I feel like this is something that a lot of people don't even realize they're navigating until they're in the thick of it and shit does hit the fan. So yeah, one of my questions that just came top of mind is 
What was it about your now husband that changed the game for you when it came to romantic relationships? Hmm, Yeah, it's a great question. So up until I met my husband, I was in romantic partnerships with people who, and all of this was unconscious, Mm -hmm. but I was in romantic partnerships with people who were very emotionally unavailable. Mm. And that felt very familiar to me because my father was very emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. And so essentially I was repeating a lot of patterns from my childhood and a lot of woundings from my childhood that really it kept me safe because it kept me from having to be open and from having to be vulnerable and from having to have someone actually meet me in relationship if that makes sense mm-hmm. it, you know it, it kept me from having an equal partnership where it actually had potential to mm-hmm. go somewhere and to be a lifelong partnership and so when i met my husband what was different is that I could feel immediately that he was somebody that he could meet me and that he was somebody who was really all in and was very willing, extremely willing to do the work, which I personally believe there are a lot of like laundry list items that we may say that we want in a partner. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important top, top, top is always, is this someone who is willing to do the work both Mm -hmm collectively with us as a couple individually do their own work are we each individually showing up and doing our own work and are we willing to show up as a couple and do our work together and he was someone that really brought all that to the table and he communicated with me in such a way that it wasn't this hot and cold off and on I like you I don't like you you know waffling back and forth everything was super open clear everything was on the table there was a level of um, emotional intelligence and emotional vulnerability and openness that was there and available that had never previously been in, in my relationships. Everything that you're saying right now resonates with me so deeply because even though it's so interesting, because even though these are things that I've known I've wanted and desired for so long, it's until you actually see it or find it. And like you said earlier, just about platonic relationships and romantic relationships, right? The more I recognize the connections that I have in my life are so parallel, it's because of that. I've so actively, maybe inactively, I don't even know. It's like that energetics of surrounding yourself with people that are doing the work and then it's constantly inspiring you to do the same and then you're in a safe space because anything that you're talking about they're like oh yeah I've been there yeah yeah totally and and just like you said and platonic relationships as well Mm -hmm. you know there can be a lot of times that we feel that we're carrying the whole weight of the relationship Mm -hmm. that we're doing the lion's share of of you know calling of texting of setting things up and we can get in these patterns of really overgiving mm-hmm. in our relationships, being the ones to kind of put everything on our own shoulders. And so, yeah, being able to find and, and not just find, like you're saying, being energetically open, mm-hmm. because I do truly believe it's partly our energy and being open to receive that and feeling safe to receive that, that yeah. also allows those things to come into your life. Mm -hmm. I have another question for you about codependency because I haven't really spoken openly about this on my podcast just because I'm the interviewer. I'm the one asking the questions, but codependency is something that I've been deep diving into in my own life and just understanding my own patterns from childhood and how they're playing out in adulthood and how constantly trying to intuit the needs of others 
can be so detrimental and there's constant self-abandonment in that process. So in your own journey, has codependency come up and is that something that you've had to navigate as well? In a word, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so codependency is actually the work of what I do in my coaching. And it's because it's been, you know, the biggest thing that I've had to overcome myself. So I grew up in a home where there was addiction in my home. And that doesn't always have to be the case of why and how codependency sort of takes root and and happens. But a lot of times it is. A lot of times it is in, in my clients' lives. There was some sort of addiction present in their home, you know, when they were a child. Whatever the reason may be, it's this feeling and this sensation of I can't be okay unless the other person is okay. Mm-hmm. I can't be okay unless everything in my environment is controlled and everything outside of me feels safe. And then like you were saying, we abandon ourselves in that process because we are constantly hypervigilant and looking outside of us and figuring out ways to control our external environment in order for us to feel okay. You know, Mm -hmm. whether that may be, you know, I need to make everyone pleased and happy with me. I need to make sure that no one is ever upset, that that I am doing everything perfectly. Like you were saying, anticipating everyone's needs. All of this is impossible, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will kill ourselves trying mm-hmm. because it makes us feel safe. You know, for somebody who is codependent, the thought of someone being upset with them or angry at them or even just less than satisfied, less than, mm-hmm. less than pleased can be this soul crushing feeling and not just soul crushing, but produce a lot of internal angst and anxiety and uncertainty and fears that come up because it literally feels like you don't belong and that you're going to be kicked out of the tribe, so to speak, if you let anyone down in that way. So absolutely codependency is, has kind of been one of my biggest journeys and it's the one that I help my clients with as well. I love that. That was such a beautiful segue because I want to hear all about your coaching and even how that came to be. Yeah. Yeah. The story of my coaching is an interesting one. So I got my doctorate in physical therapy. So I went a long, long time in education um, in physical therapy, which I will never speak against because it gives me such a beautiful and very deep and comprehensive knowledge of the body and gives me a lot more somatic skills that I Mm -hmm. use in my coaching. But I kept on waiting for the moment for me to feel in my clinical practice, like, yes, this is it. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my thing. And it just never really landed that way for me. And I thought I was going to marry this one partner that I was with at the time. It did not work out. And I realized when all of that crumbled down, I realized, wow, I was really looking towards this external thing to save me and create the life that I wanted, so to speak, that I was thinking in my mind, again, this was totally subconscious, but when I get married, when I have kids, then I'm not going to have to kind of participate in these elements of my life that are less than thrilling for me right now. These external circumstances falling into place is going to be kind of the magic pill that makes me more satisfied in my life. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I realized that wasn't coming to pass, I got really, really serious with, okay, I have to be the one to create the life that I want. And I've got to figure this out myself. And so I promptly quit my job and backpacked around the world by myself for four months. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I went all around the world and I got really, really, really super clear 
And when I came back, I had these ideas for a business, but I had no idea. It, it felt like this big thing that it was like this path that hadn't been blazed. It was this trail that hadn't been blazed and I had no idea how to do it. I joined this one program that helps you kind of take a, a business idea and turn it into something tangible. And when I was telling this person about it, they were like, oh, you mean life coaching? When I was telling them about my business idea, and I had no idea what life coaching was. I had never even heard of it. Mm -hmm. And when they described it to me, it was like all of the keys just like clicking into place. It felt amazing in my system and my body. And I just knew, I just knew that I knew that I knew that it was what I was meant for. It was what I was created for. So I promptly joined a coaching certification program that took me a year to complete. It was a, a holistic intensive program and have been doing that since. And I've had my business for three and a half years now. That's incredible. And I can imagine though, that in a life coaching practice, especially with all of the changes going on in society and in different communities around the world, it would also challenge you in so many different ways to increase your own knowledge in every single direction. Yes. So before my life coaching certification, because of my background and my history that I had mentioned already, I had been in therapy for 20 years at that time, like literally two decades I had been in therapy and I don't ever want to discount therapy because it is so I'm still in therapy. I don't know that I will ever not be in therapy. I'm just such a huge proponent of it. I think it is amazing. It's phenomenal. But for me, the biggest shift in my life started when I got coaching in addition to therapy, instead of just therapy, the main reason being, instead of just talking about and sort of understanding where these issues came from, it gave me real tools to create the life that I wanted and helped me to understand how to actually change directions and gave me the support and the understanding of how to do that. You know, instead of just understanding my past, this helped me understand on a much deeper level of like why I'm thinking and feeling and doing the things that I'm doing right now. It brought that awareness, that consciousness to the relational patterns specifically of, oh my gosh, I am lashing out in this way because of X, Y, Z that happened. And this is what I can do instead, right? I never was given those tools until coaching. So it completely changed the trajectory of my life. And I see that over and over and over again with my clients as well. Yeah, that must be so rewarding. Hey friends, The Safe Haven will be right back after this quick break. I'm wondering who you're marketing your business towards, because often there's kind of like the business aspect of life coaching or mental health aspect of life coaching. So who do you market yourself towards? Really, I market myself towards women who are codependent people pleasers and want to have thriving relationships with partners, with friends, with family who, you know, their relationships are feeling sticky. They're feeling less than fulfilling, less than they would like them to be. And they really want those thriving relationships. So if there are women out there who feel like, you know, they can identify and have gone down the rabbit hole a little bit of codependency of people pleasing, that they're aware that they may have some of those tendencies and that they want to work on them. Okay. So because I know a lot of the listeners are so interested in just constantly evolving and growing as individuals, I'm just literally throwing this out. If someone was to be listening and was just learning a little bit about codependency and what codependency even is, what would you say would be an active next step in a relationship to try? Like what's a, a little practice or a strategy that you can even bring into the awareness of your personal life? 
Yeah, the first thing that I would start to try, you know, with codependents most of the time, and I'm going to say we, because I'm a codependent in recovery, right? And I don't ever want to be like, oh, you guys out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not speaking from an elevated position here. Um, As codependents, a lot of the time, we will focus solely like you were talking about on the other. Mm-hmm. And so we will, in a, in a relationship dynamic, let's say whatever relationship dynamic that is feeling sticky, you will focus on what is that person thinking? What do they feel about me? Are, are they angry at me? Are they upset at me? You know, da, 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 da. And you're focusing all of the attention outward. And I would say if you're first starting to dip your toe into codependency and understanding it and, and kind of wanting to start trying and playing with something new, see if you can notice when you're doing that, you know, first of all, it's that awareness, noticing, oh, I'm starting to get anxious, wondering about what the other person is thinking about me or wondering what's happening in this dynamic or da, 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 da. And instead of focusing all that attention outward, see if you can't turn the attention back towards yourself, right? It's that simple and it's that hard. Mm -hmm. So what I mean is instead of worrying about what are they thinking, what are they saying? What am I feeling in my body right now? And anchoring back into your own physical sensations. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Where might those thoughts and feelings be coming from? Are they linked to anything in the past? Am I pulling a past story in to what is happening right now? Is this really happening right now? Or is it something that's just linked into the past, right? Mm -hmm. And starting to ask yourself questions like, Did I do anything wrong? Am I pleased with my behavior here? What is my truth in this situation? So again, taking some of that attention that's constantly turned outward. And there are so many questions that we can start to ask ourselves instead and anchor into our own truth. I love this. And I also know that so much of what you've just said linked in, even on my own journey, when I went to a psychotherapist. I've only been to two sessions and they've completely changed my life because as Mm -hmm. soon as I started diving into what codependency even meant, and then I was like, oh, I think I know what that means. Oh, no, no, no. You have no idea what it means until you actually start to do a bit of research, right? Research, reading, conversations, podcasts, audiobooks, you name it. And then I went to a psychotherapist with all of this newfound excitement and knowledge about what codependency was, and it has completely changed my life knowing what it is and how important the awareness is in a moment about that anxiety. Because like up until just recently, I admit I never considered myself an anxious person. I never would have identified Mm. as an anxious person. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting to realize, not that I have a diagnosed level of anxiety, I'm super anxious. Yeah. Yeah, like all the time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have either is the funny thing. And, and I will also say, I don't know if this is true of you as well, but other people's experience of me, people always tell me that I'm a very calming presence mm-hmm. and that I have like this very anchoring feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? Cause that's not my internal experience. <laughs> totally. But yes, but yeah, it, it, everyone would tell me that I have this very calming experience, but I, I would have never considered myself anxious either. And it was only when I started scratching the surface on some of this, where I was able to realize, oh, I'm pretty much anxious all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and it's actually, it was actually mostly around relationships and relationship anxiety that I was feeling and having all of that. 
always yeah. constantly trying to intuit the needs of others. Always. Yeah. And you don't yeah. realize the toll that that takes on you until you're like, holy shit, I've been doing this my whole life. And it takes up a lot of energy. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what are some ways that you nourish yourself? What are some ways that you help regulate yourself? Mm. You know, this is so different for each and every person. I like to make sure and say that because, you know, I will share what is nourishing for me, but it is not necessarily what is going to be nourishing to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to say, if anybody else is really resonating with what you and I are talking about, that, you know, if, if you were like, oh, I may be codependent, it can be really difficult to feel mm -hmm. and to feel into what your desires are what is nourishing for you. There's a lot of the journey that you got to kind of take this path again, back to self, because there's been so much self-abandonment going on to even really know what it is that nourishes you. And so I don't want anybody to feel weird or bad if they're listening to this and they're like, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it would be that would nourish me. You know, yeah. that's so normal. That is so normal to have that at certain parts in your journey. But what is most nourishing for me? I am an introvert through and through. Reading books by myself is super, super nourishing. Um, if I have a small gathering of people, an intimate gathering of people that I am very familiar with, and we can have really deep conversations, I don't do fluff well. I'm not, I'm not really a fluffy talker. Mm -hmm. I like to go deep mm -hmm. pretty quickly. So if I can have some deep, heartfelt conversations with those closest to me, that's super nourishing for me. Going on walks. Nature is one of the most nourishing things to me always. Travel, mm -hmm. which obviously we haven't, most of us been able to do that in a while. So that I've had to get creative with that because newness and novelty and having different and new things to do is something that feeds my soul more than any other thing. So yeah, traveling, as you have already kind of heard in here, I've been to 43 countries and, and just adore new cultures and different places. So yeah, those are some things that really nourish me the most. The travel in itself, um, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and we were just talking about how travel has been such a big part of our lives for so long that when you can't do it, I love that you just said you have to mm. get creative with it. You do. You have to get creative with it because when yeah. something like that, that is such a form of self-regulation for you, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, see you later. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Although I've also recognized that I've really enjoyed being at home now more than ever, like just kind of establishing a space where I feel really safe and really comfortable with the chaos that is the world right now. Mm. Being home, I'm into it. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. For me, it has been, you know, you got to get creative and kind of being a tourist in your own town and trying new and different things. You know, I've, I've lived right now in the town that I'm in most of my life. You know, there have been periods where I've lived in Spain or overseas um, or when I went to college. But other than that, I've been here. And so it can get easy to kind of be in this space of, well, I know everything here, mm -hmm. you know, but you don't, you yeah. know, there's exactly. so much more that you can see and do. And it just takes some intentionality. Yeah, it totally does. Okay, Kim, I have my three safe haven style questions. You ready? I'm ready. What are you most proud of? Hmm. You know, I am most proud of that I am a person of integrity and that I refuse to live outside of my alignment. And that has been, it's taken a lot of effort and it's taken a lot of 
swimming against the current and going against the grain and taking these really large leaps in my life and doing things that didn't necessarily feel safe. And if anybody is listening and is into the Enneagram, I am a six. So taking big risks is not necessarily something like it's, it's even more of a, wow, I'm really proud of myself being a six that I've done some of these things. So yeah, the fact that I, I have a very hard line and I will not compromise my integrity. Typically I don't reply to these. Like I just let you go for it. But the fact that you just said Enneagram gets me so excited. You'll have to check out. Mm -hmm. So you apparel, they have an entire Enneagram line and there's actually like clothing Mm -hmm. that is for each of the Enneagram. So, so you apparel, check them out. (laughs) I I would love to have something that like gives people instructions about me on a, on a, (laughs) yeah, that would be cool. And what would you like to be known for? I would love to be known and hopefully I'm, I'm on my way and on my journey with this. I would love to be known as somebody who loved really big. You know, when people think about me or I'm even thinking of like my eulogy or something like that in this moment, asking what I would like to be known for, that I was someone that always made people feel welcomed, that I was someone that always made people feel loved, that I was somebody that brought out the best in each person and that I was a mirror for their goodness, that I was a mirror for who they really are underneath all of the layers of programming and wounds and all of the things that the world would try to heap on us that I, and every conversation that I have and every interaction that I have, that I would be this like true mirror back to people of the goodness of who they really are. Mm. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? I feel like what I'm about to say is so informed by the times that we're living in, but it's what's most on my heart and I don't want to filter it. So I think it's that we're all one. And I just, I see so much division right now in the world that really breaks my heart. I see so much, you know, name calling and othering instead of being fearful about that. I just want to be somebody who's constantly calling back attention to the fact that we are one, that what happens to our neighbor happens to ourselves, that we are all interconnected, including with the earth, because I do truly believe that, you know, so just that, that we're one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And where can people find you online? The best place is Instagram. That is where I'm at most often. And it's Kim Kimball coaching is my handle. My last name is spelled K-I-M-B-A-L-L. My website with lots of blog posts and free resources and things is kimkimballcoaching.com as well. Kim, thank you so much for today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It was lovely to be here, Amanda. Kim, thank you so much for your time today and for jumping in as a guest on The Safe Haven. I truly appreciate your perspectives and the heart forward work that you're doing in the world. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I'm committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at the Safe Haven Podcast so we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that really helps this podcast grow. For more great podcasts, check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will... Talk to you next week.